When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just a hair late. After some fun at Media Day in Cleveland and some writing and some training camp coverage back on the ground, I'm happy as hell. Lots of media days going on this week. Lots of stuff to get to. Lots of stuff to talk about. I don't know where to begin. But hey, what's up, guys? Keeping the 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode, of course, brought to you by the BasketballNews.com podcast network. And here we are. Training camp has begun. And the preseason is less than five days away. In the words of Mike Brown, ah! <laughs> it's the first thing I wanted to touch on. There's just so many like nuances to what we saw on media day. I mean, Jimmy Butler has no beard anymore. He's got a bunch of like long dreadlocks, uh, completely looking brand new. You got the Warriors and uh, the Wizards are out overseas in Japan right now. You have just a ton of different things going on. Zion Williamson, all smiles, um, you know, looking really, really cut, looking really solid. Um, you know, you go down the list, and there are just so many different nuances to talk about at Media Days. The Suns, everybody seems to just absolutely hate each other. It's wild. It's crazy. Um, the Nets had probably the most decorated Media Day in the history of Media Days just because of the anticipation of talking to KD, talking to Kyrie, hearing what Steve Nash had to say. Like I said, I was in Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell just has brought a, an entire different you know, feeling to this city and anticipation uh, of what they could accomplish. There's just so many different ways and different routes of what we're talking about. And the one thing I did want to talk about, like you said, was Mike Brown's primal scream that, ah, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of Professor Klump, nutty professor trying to do the scream primal yell so he could go and be cool to his students when he went on the date with Miss Purdy. That's what it reminded me of. Well, it's better than Full Metal Jacket when he asked for everybody to give them his war face. (laughs) It's just like, I, there's a there's just a palpable excitement all around, you know. Like again, like you could pick out literally one thing from each team that's interesting about this year, and uh, it's just hard to obviously cover all thirty of those on one podcast. So we're not going to do that. But just you know, from your perspective, without getting into the Lakers, I won't get into my Cavs yet. Um, what were your thoughts about Media Day and the buzz it brought? And holy hell, it's you know two days away from October. 
I mean, it's just good to hear players talking with the media and getting the vibe of what's going on as we actually get ready to play games. It feels like this offseason has gone on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's because of the perpetual state that these offseason trades that never happened put us in. And we're now getting back to where we can actually talk to players and not just hear about rumor and innuendo and kind of get the scoop on what's going on. And we get ready for games, which is refreshing to say the least, you know, and you get this from every sport and it's, it's always like this when you get ready for a season. And it's one of the great things about sports that even though you get somebody who is extremely honest, like Greg Popovich, who flat out tells everybody in his media session, Hey guys, um, I would not go to Vegas and bet on us to win the championship. Okay. <laughs> the Spurs are not going to win the championship according to their head coach. I think we all kind of figured that out. But when it comes to all these other camps and you see all these other players and everybody getting together, it's a new season. And with new season comes hope. And that's something you like to see. Everybody likes where they're at right now, or at least is putting on that good face about it. Everybody smiles unless you're in Phoenix, like you said, and it seems like everybody's like, hey, let's get going. Let's do this. Let's get ready to actually play some games. Let's hoop. And now we've got, you know, uh, preseason games starting up uh, on Monday. And I'll give you my honest assessment of what I think of the preseason. It doesn't mean jack shit. But I'll still watch some preseason games because I want to see some hoops. Just because you want to see some hoops. That's the only reason. But I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, preseason does not mean jack shit because what it does is it allows coaches to find who the end of the bench guys are. Otherwise, it is literally mere reps. It is get in, get out, don't get hurt. That's what you want out of preseason. It's playing with rotations and kind of mm -hmm. seeing who can do what where. Experimentation and throwing out lineups you wouldn't in a regular season game where there's actually something on the line. It's about toying with things and just kind of seeing if this works. Huh, I wonder if we put this wrinkle in here. I wonder if we try this coverage. That's all it is. That's literally all it is. Who gives a crap about an end result? Who gives a crap about the game itself? It's about the execution, and it's about staying healthy. So when it comes to preseason games, and everybody's playing six games, like how many games do you expect the stars to even play in? And do you and do you expect to even see like a team's real starting lineup like in the middle or by the end of preseason? I would say they would play the very first one, okay? And then I think what they'll do, I think this is how coaches do it sometimes. If they have a multitude of superstars or a multitude of all-stars or very important players, then they'll go, okay, we'll play two and rest one. And then we'll play two and rest one. Uh, we'll rest two and play one. You know, it's it's kind of strategic in that way. But they just want to get these guys their reps. They want to get the the in-game speed up to, uh, up to you know, up to par. Um, your younger guys, they're going to throw out there just to get acclimated to the up-and-down nature of the NBA. Those guys that have to, you know, adjust from being in college or being, you know, coming from overseas, depending on how they got drafted and what their path was. That's what you're going to use it for. That's pretty much... It and again, what the coaches do rotations. Um, this group plays with this guy for this long. 
Um, you know, here's when I'm going to use timeouts, you know, in game situations. That's another thing. Maybe, you know, two minutes or less, they're trying to figure out a way to use this inbound play, or they're trying to figure out, okay, this is the action we want to run in a high leverage scenario. Those kinds of things. Again, like you said, preseason doesn't mean shit for like results, but those are the types of things that you're going to be looking out for as a fan. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be giving away too many plays. Like, we're going to find out what kind of uh, sets the running off of uh, inbounds plays with less than five seconds left in the shot clock or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's about getting guys repped and getting them familiar with one another, and that's what camp is for right now. It's funny that, like, some teams are already doing two-a-days and then taking a day off. It just depends on every team and, and what their schedule is right now and what their coach and their players – feel comfortable with right now agreed uh, let, let's get to one team right off the rip here uh there's a lot of excitement surrounding chicago last season obviously um they had brought in lonzo ball uh nick vucevic was literally just coming you know into the team from a trade the year before um you know there was there was just a lot of big time excitement patrick williams before he got hurt um lots of things lots of things zach levine we obviously know and now this year, it seems like there's... You did not even include the biggest part of it all, and that's Alex DeMar Caruso. DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, my Al apologies. Yes. Alex Caruso, hello. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that one. <laughs> but No, and DeMar point. DeRozan, who, yes. who, by the way, went on J.J. Reddick's podcast and said, I thought I was a Laker and went to bed. And when he woke up in the morning, he found out that the Lakers made the deal for Russ. Wow. Which is crazy, looking back. But point being, there was a lot of excitement in the Windy City last year. This year, probably going to be a lot of excitement, but it's already off to a bad start. Lonzo Ball, another just nagging injury or just not recovering the way that he thought he was going to recover. He was talking about not being able to go up the stairs. Can't uh, run. This, this season can't run. And we find out via Shams Charania of The Athletic that yesterday he underwent another surgery. And... Quote, unquote, there's optimism that he'll be able to return in a few months. But the more that he just suffers these injuries, the more, one, you feel terrible for the guy. He's a huge game changer. Defensively, he's great. Become a lot better of a three-point shooter, spot-up guy. Uh, can obviously run the floor in transition, set his teammates up. But just, you feel terrible for him because he just hasn't had any stroke of luck. And then you look at Chicago and what he means to them. That's a huge piece not to have. In an Eastern Conference, as we were talking about before we were recording, that could have 13 teams competing for a playoff spot. It's really sad to see what's going on with Lonzo. I mean, even last year when he had the surgery, I think the team thought he was going to be back at least for the playoffs. And obviously that did not happen. Then all offseason, we've been getting kind of checks on him. And at one point, there was a report that said everything sounds like it's pretty good. And then a couple of weeks ago, we find out things are not going well that he's still having problems. He's still having pain. And to hear Lonzo talk about, you know, what he has been going through, I can't run, I can't go upstairs, all these different things, it's awful to hear. And the weirdest thing, I think, that still troubles me is when you get a report that says, okay, he had another surgery, you know, and, and they expect him to be able to play this season. Like, this season... The season hasn't even begun yet. There's confidence he will play this season, which means 
that there's still some worry that he might not play this season, or at least they're prepared for thinking about the possibility of that. That is scary. And hopefully this surgery corrects whatever has been going on, and Lonzo can get on the court here in the next couple of months. And this is where you're going to have to do the next man up thing again. You know, obviously you have Io DeSunmu who was, you know, people were making waves about him last year, uh, the way that he stepped up. And obviously, you know, it was tough for him to find playing time. But this is a way that you get him in there, um, you know, work on his, you know, defensive instincts. But again, like this is tough because, you know, you're in a team, you're in a team where they're trying to contend and be in positions. So you have to be ready. Now, luckily, they bring in Goran Dragic over the offseason. I think that's big for the offensive portion of it. Kobe White, okay, another guy going into his fourth season, uh, looking to make a name for himself, uh, you know, being in a contract year after that. But, I mean, it, it's just, it's unbelievable this kind of luck that that Lonzo's had. And, um, you know, you just hope to see him have a legitimately solid career after all of these knickknack injuries, which I feel like he's suffered every single season of his career, to tell you the truth. He has. He he really has. It's It's been tough. And, I mean, he's a good dude. He plays the game the right way. He works hard. He's improved his game as well. And you hate to see it. And you look at the Bulls last year. They got to that hot start with Lonzo and Caruso and DeRozan hitting all these you know, game-winning shots and everything was coming together. And then that second half where Lonzo was injured for the last two months, Vucevic struggled during that same period, and the Bulls really uh, slid backwards. And, you know, they fell to the sixth seed and they ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs. It's crazy, man. Let's stick on the negative. What's going on in Phoenix? Not in the Brian Winhurst voice. But literally, what is going on in Phoenix? Okay, so you look at these videos, okay, of, of DeAndre Ayton and being asked about if he's happy to be here that he got the contract and all of that. It's like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> like, and then they go to Monty Williams and they ask him why he hasn't spoken to DeAndre Ayton in so long since that loss, literally that long. That's months and months of no talking. And Monty was just saying, well, I haven't spoken to a lot of guys since then. I feel like they needed a break for me, a mental, you know, kind of respite from the game and whatnot. But that shit's awkward. That is awkward as hell. How bad and is it? You too? have that going on top of the Robert Sarver stuff and Jay Crowder wanting to be traded. Could training camp start worse in Phoenix? You know what? The weirdest thing I thought, too, when it came to that dynamic between Aiton and Monty was that you didn't correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think Aiton even revealed he hadn't talked to Monty until day two of training camp. <laughs> I know? mean, hey, if no one asks, no one asks. Right. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you mentioned Brian Windhorst. He um, compared the whole situation on Media Day in Phoenix as uh, going to the dentist. Oh. And there was a lot going on. I mean, I think a lot of it, is the fact that these players do not want to have to talk about Robert Sarver and the situation going on there. And they knew they're going to have to do this. So it was something that they all wanted to, you know, be careful about when it came to their words and everything that was going to be said, but it's not a fun situation to talk about. And, you know, everybody 
or almost everybody was very short with their answers. The only person that was really open about that situation was Devin Booker, who honestly said, that's not the Robert Sarver that I know. He's never been that way around me. He wasn't defending him, but he was just saying, that's not the relationship that I've had with that guy. You know, and, you know, since we last did this, we talked about it on the last one, but I mean, Sarver's going to have to sell, but now they're talking about the value of that team and what it's going to be. And it's going to be higher than anybody ever expects. Who knows when it's going to happen, but that is something at least you would think is not going to hang over this team, but it felt that way on media day. It felt that they were still in a fog from the way that they exited the playoffs last year when it seemed like they were destined to make the finals and then did not make it to the finals, didn't even make it to the conference finals. It's insane. And then you put that out there and uh, the Aiton situation of him being back and the relationship with the coach and even I think his relationship with the team overall because he did not want to go back there and I still don't think he wants to be there. Still a lot of mending offenses going the nuances of of restricted free agency i tell you yeah and then you mentioned the jay crowder situation which you know i the word is that basically they told jay like you're not going to be starting you're going to have a different role and cam johnson's going to start and jay's like i don't want to do that i got plenty left in the tank and he's like i i I want out then the problem with that though is phoenix is a contender so if they're going to trade jay crowder They don't just want to do it for a future pick or just get rid of them to get rid of them. They want a player in return that is just as good in their mind as Jay Crowder, somebody that can contribute. And that's going to be very difficult. And I wonder if this is going to be the latest in the, all right, you can be upset. Let's play the waiting game. And there is no other fit for you someplace else in a deal that makes sense for us. So come on back. And they, Preferably, you know, want to probably send him out east, if I would imagine, or at least out of the division. Right. But, but here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Like you said, the very popular route teams have gone and players have gone is if you're not happy, we'll keep paying you, but you can be at home. You can train until we find something that's good for us. And the, 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 dish, the you know, the issue here is Jay Crowder's expiring. He's an expiring deal, so you're not going to get amazing value back for Jay Crowder at this point. They don't want his contract to expire. They want that to turn into something else that now contributes this year, but is you know somebody that's under contract next year as well. Yeah, because they, they want to keep this thing going. They want to keep the window open. Yes. I mean, all of a sudden, this is how crazy and how quickly things change in the NBA. The Suns are looking at... uh. You know, Chris Paul, situ- you know, situation, you know, he's obviously getting older. Um, you know, they're invested in their youth, obviously. But if these relationships sour over time and they don't get the, the goal done and, and job done, then, you know, you're automatically starting to ask questions. And this is what players do now because they, you know, a lot of players do not have that sort of patience as they used to in the, the older days. Well, you know, that's... So true in so many different situations when you talk about how quick things can change in the NBA, because we talk about the Suns last year, look like they're going to go to the finals, possibly win the whole thing. They didn't even make the conference finals. Uh, we talk about 
you know, the Nets, and I know we're going to get into them, but how quickly things have changed for them over the last couple of years when people thought this is going to be the most unbeatable team that we have seen, you know, since the Warriors had both, you know, Steph Curry and, and KD on that team. We look at Chicago and how they got to that start at the beginning of the season last year and how it fell apart by the second half. And then now what they're doing going into this season, and you really wonder how much longer, you know, if they don't get off to a good start or things aren't going well by, you know, halfway through the season, do they, you know, have to make, you know, a 180 degree turn as well? Yeah. And you hope that that's not the case. You hope that you can kind of, I don't want to be rude and say be adults, but like men fences, winning cures all. Let's just say that. Winning cures all. That's that's all period end paragraph there. It does. But don't you get the feeling in Phoenix, especially when it comes to Aiden, that like he's happy he's getting paid. He did not want to be there. He can't be traded until December. And he can he can be traded anywhere except for Indiana. But he has to approve of the trade because he has control of that. There's basically a no trade clause for the first year. So he can't be traded, I think, what is it, mid to late December? Yeah, that's usually when it is. Okay. So if I don't know the, the exact date. I don't have right. it on me, sorry. But, I mean, December, maybe if it's even January, but it's, you know, midway of the season. I just get the feeling that Aiton's like, I'll be a good soldier. Mm-hmm. But no, once I think, that time I think he comes, get me the hell out of here. And that's going to be interesting to, to follow along with because we already know how difficult it was for the Suns to figure out a fair package to bring back for Aiton over the offseason. They wouldn't even take the the highest talent of players for De- DeAndre Aiton. So there's going to be an ultimatum there man, uh, eventually. And that's the and other that, thing with Aiton. He's going to he's going to need to play well if he wants to get traded too because otherwise teams are going to want him. Like, "Oh, so you put on your sad face because you were upset." Well, then why don't I want you? Certainly. Certainly. All right, one more negative team to talk about. One more negative. Uh, Boston. Obviously, the situation over there is very serious. Um, hope that everybody affected, you know, pulls through. And uh, obviously, the Ime Udoka uh, situation, just awful all around. Um, they had to talk about it at media day. That was the focus of their media day. Not that they were coming off of a finals appearance and almost won the whole damn thing. It was about their interim head coach and their old head coach, who's suspended for a year um, with these, you know, horrible accusations. So they're talking up Joe Missoula, doesn't have the greatest record himself uh, from the past, his past at West Virginia. You know, he had domestic batteries, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, Brad Stevens even addressed that stuff. So just the public perception of the Celtics right now, rightfully so, is just awful. Um, You know, you lose Danilo Gallinari for the year. Uh, Robert Williams isn't going to be able to play for another two to three months at, at you know, minimum. Uh, and you're asking Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart to all talk about this. Uh, just, it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable how in the snap of a finger, again, we, we talked about the ever-changing landscape of the NBA, but something like this can just affect it right off the rip. And And the Celtics, all of a sudden, you know, we don't know how Joel Missoula is going to do as, as a head coach. Apparently, the, the team has a good relationship with him. Marcus Smart talked him up really well. Uh, they just added Jerry Laranega from the Clippers to be an assistant uh, under Joel Missoula, and, and Laranega is very well-respected 
around the league. So that's good for them. Um, but do you think that a distraction like this and a brand new head coach uh, is going to affect the way that they play the game? And if so, is it going to be a, a regression or are they going to be able to take this head on, use it as motivation, as a challenge um, to build upon what they did last season? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> we have to see. I mean, look at what happened last year when they were just kind of treading water, and then something finally clicked. And Emil Doku, Doka knew what buttons to push at that point of the season. And that's one of the reasons why they had the big turnaround is because Udoka was able to break through to the players. And they respected his voice. Um, they respected how tough he was on them. And now that's gone. It's gone. And you don't know. I mean, it's gone at least for the season. And it might be gone for longer than that when it comes to the Celtics. But now you have a different coach who was there. But remember, Joe Mazzulla was not even a guy that was in the front of the bench coaching. He was in the back. And I understand that there was other teams interested in him, like Utah Jazz interviewed him for their head coaching job. But it's it's different. When, when you had a Vudoka there and it was his first year and he meant so much to what they did last year and for that to just suddenly be gone, just phased out, poof, that's difficult enough, especially under the circumstances, though, of what's going on because even the players, when they were talking about this, the media day going, I still don't know what's really going on with him. I mean, you, Jason Tatum's talking about, I found out about this on social media like everybody else. So they don't even know what to say. They don't even know what to think. I mean, there's, there's literally only a handful of people in that organization that truly know what is going on. And we don't even know where it's going to go to next when it comes to Adoka. What are you thinking if you're Malcolm Brogdon? You know, you're, you're coming in here, you, you have so many good vibes, you get traded from Indiana He's talking to me. He literally talked to me this summer about, oh, it's all about Banner 18. He's, he's talking up everything going on. Oh, Danilo, that's why he brought us in, like because they are all in on winning a championship. And now he's subjected to, to some of this, and he's answering questions about things that he, he doesn't even know about because he hasn't been there. Like, I feel bad for him. It's tough, and, you know, and you mentioned it too. They're already banged up to begin the season. I mean, they lose Gallinari you know, for the season already as he tears apart, tore apart his knee. And not that he was necessarily going to be a big part of like maybe the playoff run, but to get there, he was just going to be a regular rotation guy. I mean, he's getting older, but he could still make shots and do things. That's why they went out and got him. And then the big one is Robert Williams because he is such a defensive force and uh, such a yeah. centerpiece to their defense. And now he's had surgery. You know, he's not going to be doing basketball activities for 8 to 12 weeks. That's that's not even getting back on the court. That's basketball activities. Like, he's not playing in real games. Yeah, so no I don't bueno. think we're going to see him until January at the earliest. Yeah, no, and that's tough because, okay, are you going to put all that load on Al Horford? No, you as can't. As a starter again? It, he's going into his, 15, his, his 16th season, guys. You have, what, you signed Luke Cornett, which he's going to bring some different elements to the table than Robert Williams couldn't. They've been like, talking Luke Cornett can he can he can stretch the floor, he can shoot the three. Um you're not going to get the same defensive impact out of him though. 
You're going to try Fiondu Cabangeli down there, which I'm all for. I loved Fiondu when he was here in Cleveland. I think, you know, he's a little undersized, but he is a muscular guy. He is somebody who um, is definitely physical. Um, You you know, you're going to try him out. They brought in Noah Vonley for camp, you know, but they have a shortage of bigs. I mean, you could try Grant Williams at the five. They've done that before as well. But we just know, you know, at 6'6", he's not a true big. That big situation is something that I'm looking forward to to seeing how they figure that out um, in Boston. But, yeah, again, just negative vibes. Negative vibes from those three teams that we just talked about. So let's let's turn it around. Let's let's turn it around and talk about some positives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but there was there was plenty of positives all around. Let's let's start with Cleveland. You were there. You were there. Yeah. By the way, guys, by the way, guys, I I cannot tell you how refreshing it is to just be walking around, talking to the players, talking to the the executives and just interacting with people, man. Like, oh, my gosh. And, And by the way, shout out to everybody who supported me on that day and was sharing my stuff and read my Evan Mobley article. I really appreciate y'all. You know, it it means more than, than you can, than you can think of. And, um, the haircut's not going anywhere. So thanks for that. Those comments as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, it it was, uh, it was fun. Not only seeing you, uh, from the clips on that you put out on social media, but also like flipping through like NBA TV and there you are, or, um, just, just kind of all over the place, you know. Other people sharing your work and stuff, man. It was, yeah, it no, was great. It, it really does feel good, you know. Like all joke, jokes aside, like it, you know, I've been fighting to do this for a while, and it's kind of been taken away from me the last two years. And to to be back in a quote unquote like in you know normal environment, it it just felt really good, and I, I felt comfortable. I felt like I belonged, and um, it was just really good to to see the guys in that place and. The interaction that you have with some of the players and then the questions that you ask them and you could even off camera, though, man, like even off camera, it was just great. You know, like, um, you know, the guys actually, you know, recognizing me, saying hi to me and stuff like that. It, it, it means a lot. It means a lot for the players to do that um, as well as as the executives. Like, it's just it's it's a huge, huge honor. Um, but, you know, obviously that, that that's that's about me. But let's let's yeah. talk about the but players. I mean, it, it felt like from afar and watching you know the Cavs players talk two things are going on one guys that were on the team going into the season were shocked to find out about the Donovan Mitchell trade and now two they're more excited than they were before because they got Donovan yeah no they accelerated the timeline that's the way that Kobe put it some of the stories about how the guys found out about Donovan Mitchell is pretty funny um <laughs> It, Darius, he worked out with Donovan over the summer. So, like, it just kind of was crazy to him because they had literally been working out that offseason uh, when he found out. Um, you know, Kobe called him. He said he was running around the gym screaming. <laughs> he had to get a towel and wipe his face off. You know, Kevin Love called Donovan on the golf course. He was, you know, very welcoming. They already knew each other just because they work out with Brickley, um, Chris Brickley in New York. They're they're already close as it is. Um, you know, it, it seemed like they all found out about it in the gym, but their their collective reactions was hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's 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 not just Donovan Mitchell. That's the thing about Donovan Mitchell that's that's been so good about him so far is that he's kind of trying to take the the attention away from himself. 
he's been talking up the unselfishness of the team, the the camaraderie that they're building already. And, you know, what are we on day three of training camp? Um, it's just been fun to follow along with, um, you know, some things that, that people aren't talking about. You know, I you can read on basketballnews.com about how excited they are about Evan Mobley. Mobley is getting talked up to no end right now. Um, you know, he's a little bulkier. He's louder. And, and by the way, this is a, you know, California kid who is very mild-mannered, to put it lightly. So um, to hear that he's barking out instructions to his teammates and, and being a linebacker on that defense and and talking himself up as, as being aggressive on the offensive end, not just as a playmaker, but actually taking shots, um, they've got, they're really excited about that. Um, they've also been raving over Karis Levert and, uh, Karis had some very, very candid things to say about his, you know, off season feeling like he was always playing catch up because of different injuries last year. Um, again, I, you know, I have these videos going up on my social media page on, on Twitter at spin Davies. Um, you know, you know, even something is as crazy as like, you know, Dylan Windler, somebody who's been injured the last two, three years, uh, they're talking about him having a chance to break camp and, and be a legitimate rotational guy. So, you know, these are d- different storylines that no, one, no one's really talking about, I guess. Um, you know, Dean Wade just got paid. Is he going to end up being the starting three? Is it going to be Karras? Is it going to be Isaac Okoro? We haven't heard from Ice yet, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, those are just some of the storylines. The, 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 the small forward position, I think, is going to be the prevailing, you know, what are they going to do at that spot question for the next two or three weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I've got my thoughts on that. I think, uh, you know, Dean Wade should be the guy to have that spot just because they're so used to that big, big, big lineup with Lowry Markin, who's no longer here. He's obviously part of the trade that sent Colin Sexton and himself to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. Um, but Dean was a spot starter last year. He could literally go 10 DNPs and then start five straight games. That's how unique of a role Dean plays. He just got extended. He had a three-year deal worth about $18.5 million. So congrats to Dean on that. But I think he could easily slide in at that three. But I could also see him playing ice there just because he was the guy that held that spot before Lowry Markkinen came over. You could also make a case for Karis LeVert. They're talking about him being a spot-up shooter more than anything. Spotting up attacking off the catch, not having the ball in his hands because he's going to be playing with DG and Donovan. So those are your early returns out, out of training camp. If you have any other questions, please ask. <laughs> when you talk about the small forward position mm-hmm. and that being the obvious hole on that team right now, there has been some talk about Jay Crowder being a possibility there. Is there a deal that makes sense because it feels to me like if they were going to make a deal for Crowder, it would have to include Osman. Sure. No, that would make sense. Would Phoenix accept that return? That's the question. And you know me, I hate talking about transactions, but you can look back on the last episode of this podcast. I talked about Crowder and how he would fit on the Cavs. I, I, I think he's a great on-court fit. Off the floor, I'm not you know particularly... Sure, just because of how he was sent out in 2018 at the deadline. That's the yeah. only that's the only question I have. Because, you know, 
the front office members didn't have the, the nicest things to say about the group that they sent out in trades that offseason or that trade deadline. So that's the one thing that I think would keep them hesitant because they're they have been very meticulous about adding and subtracting pieces on this team because the culture is very delicate. It's something that every player that comes to this city over the last two years has just absolutely been star-stricken by, is by this building, the energy in it, and the culture that they've built. It's huge. But if you look at an on-court fit, period, defensively, the way they've played, Jay Crowder makes a lot of sense. Just being honest. I'll be curious to see if they act on that or not. They, I, I mean, Joe Varden of The Athletic reported that they, they have some interest. So, I mean, you can keep an eye on that. Um, But it, it just seems like right now they've got the vibes going. Maybe it's something they revisit. Maybe it's something, you know, they figure out, um, you know, internally. But uh, the small forward position is definitely... Definitely something to pay attention to in Cleveland, but yeah, no, good vibes. Uh, the, actually, you know, I, I shouldn't even say good vibes. Darius Garland called the vibes, quote-unquote, immaculate yesterday. Mm. Haven't heard that word in a while. Evan Mobley also called Rob, Robin Lopez a big jolly guy today, and I started laughing. I'm like, I haven't heard the word jolly in a minute. What is Robin, Santa Claus? <laughs> That's basically a good way to describe him, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. But speaking of good vibes... Let's go to everybody's new buddy cop uh, movie coming to a theater near you. That's out in the West Coast between Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> the BFFs that everybody wants to talk about. Best want- friends, man. They're just competitors. They're oh. just competitors. Oh, my goodness. Things are so great between them. They, I mean, when you ask Patrick Beverly, like, who's your best friend on the team? He's like, it's Russell Westbrook, man. It's Russ. And you want to talk about, you know, preseason hope and good vibes. Look over there, man, like LeBron's feeling good going into his 20th season. And, oh, man, I'm loving everything and everything's great. Darvin Ham, the new head coach, you know, pushing all the right buttons right now. Everybody's trying hard. Everybody's going to play defense. Everybody's doing the right thing. And Anthony Davis is healthy. He's refreshed. He's focused on trying to have a big year. He even said that he had a wrist problem last year, which was, you know, not allowing him to shoot right. Uh, but Everybody's doing all the right things. Everybody's excited about, you know, the possibilities, you know, even following an off season in which Russell Westbrook took a torch to the franchise on his way into the, uh, the off season. Took and then a they, torch? Sh- is that what you would do? Yes. Yeah. They lit them all on fire. Okay. <laughs> you know, in that postseason presser that he did. And then they shopped them all off season long. And then now he's back and everybody's got smiles on their faces. He's like, Hey, I'm here to do whatever they asked me to do. They, somebody asked him, like, are you willing to come off the bench? Whatever they want me to do, man, I'm here to do it. Smiley, smiley. Look at this. This is the same <laughs> stuff that when we, you know, we saw that his agent and the him, passive aggressiveness, I just love it. Oh my God. I love it. But remember when that, when that statement came out from, you know, his agent, and imparted ways and was basically his agent was saying, I told Russ he needs to do whatever they ask of him and he needs to change his role or else, you know, he's going to be gone. He's going to get bought out. 
He's going to be a minimum salary player, and it's going to be hard for him to find another team in this league. And I don't know if some of that got through to Russ, if he had an awakening, if he had an epiphany. I don't know what. But he's at least saying all the right things. They even asked him, like, do you feel like they want him here? And he goes, it doesn't matter because I'm here and I'm here to do my job because there's a lot of people that aren't happy with their jobs, but you still have to go and do your job. So here we go. (laughs) Here we go, man. Here we go. Come on. Lakers training camp 2022. Feel the energy. Feel the vibes. Rob Polinka finally coming out and saying, hey, everybody, I know we didn't make a trade this offseason, except for the Patrick Beverly one. We didn't make a trade involving our two future first-round picks. But, yes, we are willing to trade both of them if the right deal comes along because we only have one chance at this. It was like he was singing an Eminem song. We only got one shot um, Dude, to make that big blow, trade. Rob. Exactly. And he's like, when you get a player like LeBron James to make a commitment to your franchise, you have to do everything that you can to help him win. And if that means of both of those picks, then we will trade both of those picks. But it has to be the right deal. And obviously that right deal has not come along yet. And I think a lot of that is because teams felt like there was desperation on L.A. side and they could just kind of fleece them. But Polinka has done something that is unusual for him, and that show restraint. And there, I'm convinced, and I think a lot of other people are too, that yeah, they're going to go into the season with Russell Westbrook, and they're going to see how it goes with you know Darvin Ham and Russ's new refreshed outlook, shall we say, and the team healthy going into the season, even though it still doesn't have. Uh, any perimeter size. It doesn't have any shooting and uh, doesn't have any wing defense. But hey, let's go into the season like this. Let's see what happens. But I think they also want to look at other teams and see, does something happen in Brooklyn where that implodes? Does something happen where, say, Indiana gets off to a slow start and they say, you know what, we want to make the deal. You know, it's been talked about for so long with, you know, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, which I think LA thought was going to get done last week and obviously did not happen. Or what if a team like Chicago? You know, we've already talked about them, but what if they, you know, get off to a bad start or things are going not well, you know, a third of the way, halfway into the season, they say, that's it. We're, we're jumping off this and we, we're going to pivot. I mean, I think that's what LA is looking at right now because it seems like every year there is a team or a superstar player that wants to get out. And I think that's what they're hoping for right now. It's like, can we just tread water until we get to that point? And hopefully we can, you know, get that deal that we want. I have a question for you. For once, I actually want to know something (laughs) about what's going on with the Lakers instead of hearing a rant. AD, what are your impressions of him? There's a lot of people talking like, you know, He's healthy. He's ready to go. Is this just fool's magic or what's going on here? Is Anthony Davis going to be Anthony Davis this season? Maybe this is me being overly optimistic, but I think he will. And here's what I look at. Okay. So a couple of seasons ago, he wasn't right, but that was the very, very short off season for the Lakers. They won the championship coming out of the bubble. And 
I don't think he was ever able to get his body right going into the next season. Didn't get enough rest. Nobody did. Um, and, you know, he got hurt that season as well. So he, I, I don't think he was ever truly right that season. So then he gets a little bit more rest, but I think he, he put on too much muscle, I think, going into last season. And he got nicked up early. Then the wrist injury happened. Then he got hurt even worse after that. So he just hasn't been able to be healthy. It sounds like everything from this offseason that he's, I think he's lost a couple of pounds. I think he's lost a little bit of that bulk. It sounds like he's, his shooting motion is back. His wrist is right. He's saying that he is healthy. He's energized. So all signs point to positive. It's just whether or not he can stay healthy. That's always going to be the biggest question with him is can he stay healthy? And it's not like he's had just these horrible, you know, injuries year after year. It's always like somebody, you know, fell on him, you know, somebody tripped him up. It's, it's these weird things that happen in games and it's caused him to, you know, get all these different injuries. Freak accidents, games. man. Yeah. It's all, his career is defined by freak accidents. Absolutely. But how many times is a freak accident a freak accident before it just becomes normal? And that's the thing that you have to look at. And I think if, if it happens again, then you just like say, hey, there's just some guys that are injury prone where it doesn't take much. And it's going to not the Kevin Love out. syndrome. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we see this in every sport. There are some guys where you can have five people pile into them and they don't miss any time. And there's other guys where something like that happens and they're going to miss half a season. There's other times where, Hey, a guy badly sprains his ankle. Somebody's able to tape it up and, you know, maybe only miss a game or two. There's other guys that are going to miss, you know, two or three weeks. Everybody's body is different. And, we're going to find out if he can, you know, stay on the court. He says his goal for this season is to play in all 82 games. I that's would a say great goal. That's it's a, a great goal. That's a fantastic goal. goal. But even if he's healthy, I don't want to see him playing 82 games. <laughs> Quite honestly, I mean, playing 75 games, that would be great. Say, I'd so, take, I would take 70 if I was a Laker fan. Yeah, but, absolutely. But no, but, that's, that's a tremendous goal to have, though. I'm glad that AD yes. said that. I mean, but that that is where they're at right now, you know, when it comes to what he is doing. Um, and he's such a vital part of that team. Everybody can talk about Russ all they want. But to me, it uh, more hangs on Anthony Davis and how well sure. he plays. And can he stay on the court? And we'll, we'll see what they can do during the season. You know, if... You know, if by a miracle somehow Russ fits better this year, then maybe they do write it out. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think at some point there will be a trade. But I think at some point it, it's not going to be the first month of the season, it doesn't sound like. It's going to be, you know, two or three months in the season. And we'll see what they can do because there's a couple of factors. What is the other team that they want to trade with? What's their season look like? But also, what is LA's season? look like at that point are they a 500 team are they you know struggling again say they get off to a 6 and 18 start or something like that and they're desperate so there's a lot of things that that go into and we'll just see where they are at and what they can do but i i think sooner or later they will make a deal they're they're still reluctant to trade both picks like it was weird because like last week rob Polink and darvin ham were set to speak with the media i believe last Wednesday and then it got postponed. They go, we're just going to do it on media day. And then uh, like a day or two later, 
that's when the Pacers came on and said, we are not trading Miles Turner before training camp. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of coincidental. So I think LA was like, let's, let's, let's see if we can really try to make something happen here. And it just didn't happen. I'm sure. And Miles Turner's just been attached to those trade rumors, like literally the last like three or four years. You want to talk that's about why I, that's why I don't pro. believe that's why I don't believe that any of it's going to happen. And and I was talking about Kevin Love syndrome earlier about the injury prone proneness, like Kevin Love, same thing. Like Miles Turner turning into the Kevin Love of that Pacers team. I think he's going to end up just surviving all of this and end up staying in Indiana. Well, he is such a professional and the way that he handled it has been fantastic. I mean, he comes mm-hmm. out and says, everybody, I will address this, but it's the only time I'm going to talk about it. He goes, yeah, there's been trade rumors. I've been involved in trade rumors for three, four, five seasons, whatever it is. I am here. I am here to do a job and, you know, let's go forward. You know, I, I, I can't deal with that other stuff. One last thing about Miles Turner, because I've harped on this about, like, why haven't they extended him or traded him or whatever at this point since he's going to the last season or last year of his, of his contract. Somebody much smarter than me reminded me that he is only eligible for a 120% raise. So he wants to get the free agency, even if he stays with Indiana, because then he can get a much bigger raise. He just can't get that right now because he makes, what, like $18 million or something like that? So, I mean, the raise would take him up to like maybe like $21, $22 million a year. Maybe he can get more than that on the open market. Maybe he can get more by the Pacers you know, at that point. So, and any other team that is going to trade for him uh, does not want to overpay because then he could walk in free agency as well. Unless there's a wink, wink, you know, I'm going to resign here in the off season kind of a thing. Sure. All right. You kind of brought it up earlier. I think we should get to the elephant in the room over in Brooklyn. Again, one of the most eventful media days in the history of media days. <laughs> Where do you even start? Uh, you know what? I, I will start somewhere. And this was actually before media day. So we, we talked about Ben Simmons, I think, last podcast. I'm just, I'm happy for Ben. He seems like mentally he is clear. It seems like he is, you know, healthy the way that he's talking about himself. Um, I just want to see Ben play. I, I really do. Uh, I think that any, you know, hard feelings towards Ben got cleared up pretty well by talking to JJ on that podcast. And I think JJ did an excellent job of, of navigating um, those issues while, you know, staying respectful of all of it. I think Ben could be tremendous. He's talking about, you know, he's comfortable playing the five and you who, what was I talking about? Just this entire off season about Ben Simmons playing the five. So I think we'll see some of those lineups in there, but what about his teammates? What about KD and Kyrie and Steve Nash and Sean Marks. What, what, what's going on with those guys? It feels like this is one of these situations, considering everything that happened in the offseason between all of them. It's just like, let's take today, media day, to get it all out. Whatever anybody is going to say, let's just say it, get it over with, <laughs> and then let's, let's put it in a rearview mirror as best we can. Let's get on the court. Let's actually start playing basketball and see if we can overcome all of this and forget about it to some extent by what we do on the court. Like it all comes together there because as much as we talked about KD this off season and you know, his trade demand and then end up staying, 
the Kyrie Irving stuff I thought was a little bit more fascinating to me and how open he was about stuff. Because when you hear him talking about, hey, not going into this season, but before last season, I turned down, you know, a four-year deal worth over $100 million, which is going to be the max probably. So, I mean, it's going to be well over $100 million. And according to Kyrie, he says the team gave him an ultimatum, get vaccinated, and you can get the deal. But if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to have the deal. Sean Mark says that's not the case at all. There is no ultimatum here. It's just that New York City had a mandate when it came to uh, COVID and the vaccine. And once that mandate came down that he could not play at home games, then the talks broke off. There was no point. So there's a differential between those two parties that they got to put behind them now. And then KD's talking with Kyrie and saying, Hey man, Kyrie's a grown man. You know, I had no part in his negotiations and what he was going to do. And I steer clear of that like we're friends, but at the same time we stay out of each other's business. Easy enough. Easy enough. It sounds easy enough, but I mean, to me, if like I said before, it feels like, Okay, everybody, speak your mind. Do it now. This is your one chance. And then now let's just shut up and get on the court. And let's see if we can make this work because we've got a lot of talent on paper. And everybody Damn keeps right talking about do. how good we could be if Kyrie's you know, here playing, Katie's healthy, and Ben is here and his fit. He's you healthy. You get Joe Harris back. You yep. add TJ Warren. You get Patty Mills back. You add a lot of good stuff. You return this same team, have the same leadership. Just give it a go. And there's still a Just couple of questions. Just give it a go. What have been saying the entire summer, Brian? I know. I mean, they're, they're- going to go into camp together. Every single time. I also said that Russell Westbrook would go into Lakers camp too. So. You did. You did. But there's <laughs> there's still a couple of questions with the Nets and players, minor things like Seth Curry says, sure. you know, he's not back to 100% yet. And then mm. TJ Warren says he feels great, but, but he, he is not cleared. And it sounds like he is not going to be cleared until mid-November at the earliest. So he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks of the season, if not more. And you had, you know, Brand new addition in Markeith Morris. I, I loved his little analogy yesterday talking about eh, sometimes you got to take some space, you know, get away, break up a couple of times, and, and then you come back. It's just human nature. Absolutely. He was comparing the Katie and Kyrie thing with the Nets, uh, their, their disagreements with the Nets to, to him, and saying, yeah, I broke up with my wife a couple of times. <laughs> we but we were, never got divorced. But we never got divorced. <laughs> it's a good little thing. Look, I, I forget to to mention that they you know bring in Royce O'Neal, who's a ter- tremendous perimeter stopper, can knock down the occasional shot, be a play connector. You know, you, you, like I said, you bring in Marquise Mo- Markeith Morris, um, Edmund Sumner. I think can be a nice underrated signing for them. He hasn't played in a couple of years because of an injury he sustained in Indiana. I'm, I'm totally but, curious on who's going to start when it comes to. Are they going to go full bore? Ben Simmons as our starting five, or is Nick Claxing still going to be the starting five and Ben? Will- be in the starting lineup as well. I think you start Ben Simmons at the five and then maybe like four minutes into the quarter, you bring Nick Claxton in and then whoever's the shooting guard or this, you know, small four, whatever it may be, you know, you take them out. You're, you're going to tinker a little bit. Maybe this is what preseason can be good for um, as, as it regards to, you know, Steve Nash and company. 
Isn't that a team that would really like to have a Miles Turner? I mean, yeah, I, a lot of teams can use Miles Turner, Brian. Like he, he can stretch the floor well. He can block. We know he can block shots. He, he's potential defensive player of the year every season. Um, not the best rebounder, but you know, I, I mean, but other you can gang rebound. I mean, but the thing is, maybe it's been a few years since we'd see Miles Turner as the focal center for a team. Yeah, because remember they had Sabonis for the longest time. So, or his number is going to go up. I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant rebounder, but they can go up from. It's been what like between seven and eight. Yeah. I mean, he could probably get close to double digits. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And he actually prefers a position. I can't remember which position he prefers, but he said he didn't want to play a certain position. I don't think I said he I think he just said he didn't want to play the four. So that's just another hey, little tidbit on. Hey, on the Miles Pacers Turner. also have another center that both I think the Celtics wouldn't mind having, and I'm sure maybe the Nets wouldn't mind having if you want some size, and that's Daniel Tice. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest guy, but he'll bang. Sure. No, and I mean, we know the Celtics like Daniel Tice. They brought him back last year. They traded for him from Houston. They just, so. I mean, they they just... What if they just brought him right back again? They just traded him in the Brogdon deal. Like, <laughs> let's get him back. Let's get him back. Hey, wait, we no, all know... He, that, would have to, that, would, that would actually have to be via release, if I'm not mistaken. It would have to be via Circumvention release. rule. But we yeah. all know that certain teams and certain GMs have a certain affinity for players. Danny Ainge is going to Kelly Olynyk. I can't quit you, my man. <laughs> you and cannot you know, quit Kelly Olynyk. I was just talking about this, too, to Brian before the podcast we started recording. I looked at the Jazz roster, their potential starting five. I'm like... This team would actually compete for a play-in spot in the East, in my opinion. So they, you know, say you throw out a starting lineup of Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk. I was like, ah, that's not that bad. And you still have Jordan Clarkson as the backup. Uh, Tony Jones of The Athletic still says that, you know, they're comfortable keeping a guy like Clark Clarkson around. They're comfortable keeping some of these vets around, even though they are looking to rebuild and look to change. Like, right, it doesn't have to happen right away. Like, Rudy Gay is still on that team as well. Um, you know, whether they keep Malik Beasley and we'll see that, but the only guy that they were, I I don't hate it. Yeah. The only person that they were trying to trade aggressively before the season was Bogdanovich. The other ones, I, I still think that like Beasley and Clarkson are going to be traded, but I don't think they like the value for them right now. So like, let's just go into the season. And when the trade deadline comes or even before then, there's going to be some teams that like, Hey, I, I could use a guard, you know, like what Clarkson brings to the table, what Beasley brings to the table. Then maybe they can get more for them. Were you surprised by the Bogdanovich deal and him going to Detroit of all places? I wasn't because Troy Weaver has always been proactive about this team. And what did this team need more than anything? It was a shooter. And it's a vet, too. That's the other thing. The, the, The Pistons, they're very young. They didn't really have a veteran presence there to show them the way other than Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant. And if you want to say Kelly Olenek, you can say Kelly Olenek, but he was only there for, you know, a short amount of time. But I think bringing a vet in like that's huge. Um, Especially, you know, they bring in Alec Burks as well, who I think is an underrated piece to this squad as, as they, you know, continue to grow. By the way, Bogey is easily the highest paid player on that team. Easily. Uh, which is crazy saying that Bojan Bogdanovich is your highest paid player, but that's what the payroll is right, like, like right now. Um, they have to figure out the Kemba Walker situation. We know that. Um, I believe they said that he's not planning on being there or or he just has to complete a physical. I don't know all the details on that situation, but um, keep an eye on that. Uh, Corey Joe is there, Corey Joseph. 
um, again uh, since last year. But I, I think the, the trade for them was huge because they, they needed a wing like that. Um, they they're, they're, have, gonna, they're, they're making a surge for the play-in tournament this I, year. They should. They, they should, Brian. I was, I was excited about them b- before those deals happened. I, I thought... I mean, I talked to Isaiah Livers about it, and I think Isaiah Livers could still be playing a, a decent role on this team. Now, it's not going to be the starting role that we we think probably because, I mean, Marvin Bagley's there. They just signed him to that extension. You know, there's going to be a battle there at the center position. You're going to see whether Isaiah Stewart or Jalen Duran starts, and then you have Noel backing them up. Um, you're still looking. I mean, Jaden Ivey gets taken with a top-five pick. You get him and Cade Honeyham in there. Sadiq Bay, we know he's you know capable of being a just absolute sniper, but then you also have Hami Diallo. Hami Diallo, I like Hami Diallo. I think he's an underrated ass player. Uh, they've got a lot going for him, and I'm I'm happy to see Troy Weaver make this kind of move. And it's not an acceleration of the timeline. It's just adding a piece that makes it just makes sense. It's not something overbearing, and you're probably going to see Bogdanovich start. I would bet he'd be starting at at the four. If if uh, I, I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that surprised me about it was that Utah did not get a pick because all off season, once they were doing the fire sale, what did we hear? Oh, they're going to get at least a first for Bogdanovich. They might even get a first for Clarkson and for Beasley. Like that's that's the asking price. They wanted a first round pick for each guy, and then you start hear more and more about why deals weren't going down or what's going on, and it's like that's not the value those guys have around the league. But Bogdanovich was the one guy you still felt like he would get a first. I mean, there was even some talk that like all three of those guys would go to LA for Russ, but they wanted both first round picks and the Lakers was like, there's no way we are doing that. Then there was talk about bogey going to Phoenix, you know, but uh, it sounded like Utah wanted a first round pick and there had to be more players involved in that to, to match salary and whatnot. And that just didn't work. So they moved on to Detroit, and next thing you know, they make this deal, and everybody's waiting like, okay, where's the rest of it? Like, where's the pick? There was no pick. It's just they told him, we're going to get you out of here. They wanted a win it because they felt like it helped balance their roster better, and they wanted to just kind of free up that money. And maybe Olenek is a guy they can flip later. And for Detroit, I think it's a great addition to have that kind of shooting. And if things go atrociously there, He's a guy that you could, you know, flip before the deadline. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And I think that's the, the kind of flexibility they want. And again, what's what's gonna what's gonna hurt about a move like that? That's the other thing. Like they they were wanting to develop guys like Duran and they're wanting to develop guys like Isaiah Stewart. You re-sign Marvin Bagley. It's not it's not like you're gonna completely miss Kelly Olenek as if he was a part of your future. Right. You know, like so it's a great deal. It's a really good deal. I think it was a, a solid move. A couple other pieces of news, and then we'll get out of here. But uh, wait, we got to talk about Philly. Yeah, no, that, that's why I said. A couple James other pieces Harden of news. lost a hundred pounds, according to himself. Good for Beard, man. Good for him. If 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 that's the legitimate number, it's not a hundred pounds. But I mean, he definitely lost some weight. He if he lost lost some weight and he has the hamstring figured out. Him and Joel Embiid are an incredible combination. It's a good team. They have Tyrese Maxey. They bring in P.J. Tucker. They add DeAnthony Melton to the mix. Tobias Harris is still there. And, yes, he's a good player. They have a good team, man. 
And you they bring do. in Montrez Harrell as your your guy off the bench to be a sixth man. I'm looking forward to seeing more B-ball Paul, a.k.a. Paul Reed. You know, Matisse Thibel is still there to be a defensive stopper. They've got a good squad, man. I, I, I think they're tremendous. Again, the East is tough, people. The East is going to be a absolute bloodbath. Both conferences are. Yes, the the, the league is going to be. I, I again, I'm going back to what we were talking about before we started, you know, recording this thing. I think you're going to see one team, one team with less than 20 wins. Every other one of them, I, I think that it's 20 and above. I don't know what the best record in the league is going to be this year, but it ain't going to be. It ain't going to be more than 60 games. I would agree with that. I, I, no I would, one's getting I to 65. To, I, I, would, I would venture to say that it might not even get to 57, 58. There, there, are some, there are going to be some teams just beating up on each other, man. Just absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's good to see. There's a lot of competition. It's good to see James slim down and ready and healthy. And it sounds like. He, he's had these hamstring problems the last two or three seasons, and he believes those are behind him. So he doesn't have to be the dominating James Harden that we saw in Houston for so many years. But if he can be 75 to 80% of that, if he can have a bit of that burst back, not have the hamstring problems, uh, I mean, that's what this team needs. I mean, they still got Joel Embiid, who was the runner-up MVP last year. And if he can stay healthy and if Harden can be close to what he once was, and I mean, Philly with everybody else uh, that's around him that you mentioned, I mean, they're going to be a really, really good team. And it's, you know, everybody wants to talk about, you know, what's going on in Brooklyn, the potential there. And everybody talks about Boston. Everybody talks about Milwaukee and rightfully so. But Philly's just kind of there in the weeds, you know, and uh, they're the team that I would really watch out for in the East. Yeah, and you know Doc Rivers is talking about PJ Tucker at the five. Um, he's talking about using him at the three and the four. Like PJ Tucker's going to get a lot of run. We know how Doc Rivers operates. He is very, very veteran laden. So look out, you're going to you're going to see PJ Tucker in a lot of different actions and a lot of different defensive coverages. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also really looking forward to seeing Zion Williamson. Zion. He's all smiles. He looks so is refreshed. The word is, is is reset. The word I don't know what it is. Healthy, but he's he's beaming like 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 his attitude. I'm talking about. Oh, his like, attitude feels healthy too because I, I think it was so more healthy. than just you know physical problems. I think there was some some mental stuff going on because it's frustrating sure. to go through all of those injuries so early in your career. And to not be able to get on the court and then hear all the talk about you and, and everything. So there was a lot going on there. And it's good to to see him in great shape. And it sounds like so far early on in training camp, he has been dominating. Yeah. No, I and I want to see more. I want to see more. Also, you know, another one of these uh, training camp notes that I wanted to make. Uh, they asked last year, they asked Willie Green, who stood out in training camp. And he said Herb Jones. They asked him the same question this year. He goes, Herb Jones. Dang right. <laughs> so, man, you know, Pelicans, they take the Suns to the brink in the first round last year. Look solid. And they are also one of those teams that are like, okay, 
let's do this. Because they made that move for C.J. McCollum last year for this season. They didn't make it for last year. Remember, they were under 500, and they got themselves to that playoff mix. But they made that as a long-term move. So this mixture of of youth and and you know really solid all-star esque talent. Uh, they they're looking fun too. It's hard. It sounds like I'm talking about every single team the same damn way. But reason being is there's just a lot of optimism right now, guys. But but there's a lot the, of talent in the league. I mean, that's the other thing too. There is. There's a crap ton of talent in the league. Like you could play a game of of okay, go through 30 teams and tell me why you're excited about them, and I could give you a reason for all of them. Even though you know some of the bottom feeders don't feel that way. You know, like, I swear, there's something good about every team. And sometimes, you know, some years you're like, all right, these four or five teams are going to finish in the basement. You probably do that this year. But there are surprises, as we know, man. I mean, shoot. Look look, look what Cleveland did last year. Look what Memphis did last year. No one was picking them to finish, you know, as, as, as high as they were going to. Cleveland, obviously, is different because they had the injuries and, they went to the bottom, but Memphis, I mean, would you have put money on Memphis being the best team in the, in the West le- last year? Uh, one of the best teams in the West would a second seed. Would you have done that? I don't no. know. No. Like that's the, that's the kind of fun about the NBA. The, there's everyone com- complains about, Oh, they've got a big three. So they're clear and cut champions. I don't know the damn clear cut champion right now. I could tell you, I love the Milwaukee bucks. I could tell you, I love the Philadelphia 76ers. I could tell you that the Warriors aren't going anywhere. But, like, there's legitimately a chance for a handful of teams to be in the championship mix this year and contending mix if you want to go further down. One more thing when it comes to the Pelicans. A little under-the-radar move to some extent, but you mentioned them getting C.J. McCollum for the season. Well, they just gave him a two-year, $64 million extension. Which is good money. It's not the max he could have gotten, but it's good, solid money. They have him under control now for four years and $133 million. And going into the season, because of the development of Herb Jones, they've got Brandon Ingram, they've got Zion, uh, Val Shunis plays center. All signs point to C.J. McCollum being the starting point guard for the Pelicans. And that is how they are going to go forward. Point guard, you say? Yes, he is CJ McCollum is going to be the starting point guard for the Pelicans. All right. But I don't think it's going to be and obviously your typical, you know, point guard like they expect him to just be, you know, dishing out to everybody. I mean, they expect some hey, of that 20, to be playmaking, hey, but but the other thing is, games last year he averaged almost 6 assists a game. That's what I'm saying. With, I mean, with 24 it, points. You you wouldn't think DeMar DeRozan on paper, like, oh, he's a point guard. He was a point guard last year, and yeah. that's kind of what he did was last year at San Antonio. So that's what you're going to see with CJ as well. And I think one of the biggest reasons why they're so excited still about Herb Jones and say, like, he's the guy I want to see the most is because look at what happened last year. It looked like we don't know what we got this guy to he makes the team and he's a defensive force. Now you expect that to continue, but they said his dribbling – um, he has improved his ball handling, everything like that has, has gotten to the point where they can trust him in that mode. Because last year, like 
they didn't trust him to dribble at all for the most part. But now he's a guy that they think they've got some playmaking skills with possibly. So that they, that makes it easier for them to go with a lineup like this where you have C.J. McCollum as your point guard. And happy late birthday, Mr. President, 31 years old to the Northeast Ohio native. So it's my guy. Love C.J. Last one, Kawhi Leonard, the claw. First of all, let's get media day over with. I love that. It's hysterical. All right, I saw him smile with. for two minutes, though. It was great. Did you see that he peeled the Nike logo off, too? <laughs> of his jersey? <laughs> he really likes them new balances, man. He loves them new balances. But knee's feeling good. Knee's feeling good, apparently. Uh, talking up Paul George. Loving the stuff with John Wall. He looks just tremendous. Just, just seeing the clips. He looks healthy. He looks, again... Um, not nearly um, the same situation as, as Zion, but mentally where, you know, he obviously talked about almost, you know, committing suicide uh, a, a few years ago. He looks just so happy. Uh, he's saying that LA got a dog, you know, like I love stuff like that. I love seeing the, the, the redemption, the bounce back story, really rooting for John Wall this year. But I mean, he's with Kawhi Leonard. He's with PG. Ty Lue knows what he's doing with these types of talents. So don't sleep on the Clippers because they're getting an MVP back this year that they didn't have all last season. Again, lots of freaking talent, people. Lots of freaking talent. And that's where I'll leave it. I don't know if you have anything else to add, sir. I mean, it was just great seeing Kawhi back. And, you know, he's still kind of playing coy about, you know, let's see how I feel in training camp. But all signs are him playing at the beginning of the season. And yeah. you look at how many times we've talked about the Clippers, the moves that they made in the second half of last season, even though Kawhi was already out and Paul George started getting you know uh, banged up and wasn't playing much, but they still made moves going forward to this season. And that's why I think they're one of the favorites to come out of the West because the roster they have now, you have PG and Kawhi healthy, and you know they have so many wings on this team. And they can do so many things on both ends of the court. Um, they should be one of the favorites. And I want to see how it comes together for them. And if they can stay healthy. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. Okay. I think that's going to make it a wrap for Keep It at 94 this week. Sorry about being tardy, guys. But I'm just back out there on my reporter flow, you know. Somebody's a beat tough. reporter that has to go out there and fill up his notebook. It's, there's know? a lot of things, man. There's a lot of things to get to. I'm excited. I love being in this role. I love writing and I love talking to people. Being there, you know, for the last four days, just around the Cavs and all that, it's just been fun. And it's going to be more than the Cavs this year, guys. I'm going to be covering a lot of different teams i'm gonna be doing a lot of different features and stories so make sure you stay tuned just like it was over the summer but more and more so i'm excited for that but to follow along with those stories and all the good stuff that comes with it i am on twitter at spin davies i am also on instagram at spin davies he is on twitter at brian fritz he is on instagram at it's brian fritz of course we are the basketballnews.com podcast network and also listen to the Dunker Spot, the Alex Kennedy podcast, the rematch with the Tom Thomas and Dishes and Dimes. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And again, check out basketballnews.com. 
all sorts of amazing content. You do not want to miss it, and we're going to have you covered all season long. Preseason begins in just a short four or five days. Very excited. Good times. Basketball's back. And yeah, that's about it for me. I would like to send my well wishes out to everybody who's been affected by Hurricane Ian. Hope everyone's safe. Everybody's taking care of themselves and uh, praying for everybody's safety. So until next week, we will talk to you on Keeping It 94. Take it easy.